Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. So listen, we're talking about Pinnacle Forum, and I want you to know it was it was the idea was launched by Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, as he challenged leaders to look at ways where they could use their influence for God in shaping culture. Well, you go down the road now, many, many years later, and Pinnacle Forum, the mission of Pinnacle Forum is to encourage and equip influential leaders through confidential forums supported by a national network to engage in personal and cultural transformation. Wow, my lips are run. They've run out of steam. They're all done. Supported by a national network to engage in personal and cultural transformation that honors Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Today, we have Bill Montgomery. He's a guy. I mean, if you follow national news, you've probably never heard this guy's name. But he's worked alongside another guy. He may mention, he may not. But Bill Montgomery is the Maricopa County attorney. Bill Montgomery, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you very much, Jim and Martha. It's exciting. We're excited to have you here. We really are. And one of the things that we love to do so that our our listeners get a chance to know you a little bit better is to have you share how you became a follower of Jesus Christ. Sure. Uh, well, in, uh, as a Catholic, I started off being baptized as an infant mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, had the opportunity to go to parochial school for first and second grade. Uh, where uh, I received uh, sacraments of initiation of uh, Eucharist and uh, reconciliation. Um, and, you know, that right there sort of set the foundation uh, for me. But, you know, as, as most young people, unfortunately, do, I drifted in and out of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really wasn't until I showed up at West Point in my first year in one evening uh, we were having a conversation, uh, my two roommates and I, and one of them uh, was an atheist, and so was challenging me about my beliefs and, uh, and, and, and where my faith came from. And he asked me a couple of questions, and I didn't have some really good answers, and I thought, you know what, if I'm going to say that I'm Christian, I should know why. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be a default, well, gosh, that's how I was baptized, or that's the way my parents raised me. Um, I needed to have some ownership. And so I, I went and met with uh, with a nun who was responsible for religious education. <laughs> and, there and, you go. And, yeah, and uh, and lo and behold, in two weeks uh, they were going to start a, a confirmation class uh, for religious education. And so uh, I, I wound up being confirmed as a Catholic at nineteen at uh, the Catholic Chapel at West Point. Uh, and uh, I would say that from that point forward, I was much more aware of and much more intentional about incorporating Christ into everything that I did. And then my faith walk uh, is still going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's never ended, and there are different seasons in our lives. And what I've been sharing with folks uh, more recently is that I'm at a point in my life where I I actually, now I love people. Um, I, I've been, you know, over the course of the last eight and a half years with the job that I have, I get to see people at their worst moments, mm-hmm. whether they're a criminal or a victim of a crime or a parent of a young man or woman that we're prosecuting, desperate for something to happen to bring some meaning to the situation. And it has challenged me and some of the most horrific of circumstances to still see the image and likeness of God in that other person. 
and to be very mindful of that. And again, that sort of intentionality requires me to maintain a consistent prayer life. Hmm. I don't always do it, uh, but it, it, it calls for me to um, to want to see Jesus in others and to want to experience that love and forgiveness, uh, to recall that I'm a beloved son too, and then in turn for me, because uh, there, there can't be any separation between your personal life and your work life, to then reflect that love of the Father towards my children. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, when I, when I catch myself coming up short, it's because I have not been the Father to them that I ask God the Father to be to me. Was there ever a point in time, Bill Montgomery, where you said, wow, this faith that I've been raised up in, which I've made my own, being a follower of Jesus, where you, you realize I need to interconnect this, intertwine it with my work life. Was there ever a time where you had to say, I need to, I need to do this because it didn't come naturally? Um, I'd say, yeah, and, and probably is around the time when I first got married, where I realized then that I had this other dimension to my life that I had to be very, um, very aware of and conscientious about. And that was, you know, being a good husband. And, you know, when you're a new husband, you got a lot to learn. Uh, you could say I was in training for quite some time. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've already celebrated 22 years, you're still learning. There's lots more to learn because I got 33 years. I'm still learning. So, yeah, yeah. it's a lifetime class. Yeah. And so that, you know, working on that, that intimate relationship, trying to make two into one, uh, sort of uh, made me realize you know there there are a lot of other relationships that I have in my life that I need to I need to bring Christ into as well and to keep in mind that you know when when you get married there are three people it's you your spouse and Christ mm-hmm. and in all of the relationships then that you have in other dimensions of your life including at work um yeah I need to start reflecting that towards others and I need to start uh, reminding myself that um yeah I'm in the middle of a meeting and I've got someone that I can call to account, uh, but I need to pause because if I'm expecting that person uh, to be patient and kind and gentle and not to take offense, then I have to reflect that too. Mm. <laughs> Which is super easy to do when you're dealing with criminals. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I will tell you that I think that's what made me a good line prosecutor before I ever became the elected county attorney in that... Every time I was dealing with a criminal defense attorney, I had to keep in mind first, okay, this isn't the person who committed the crime, and they're trying to do their best to advocate for their client. All right, now I've got to see through that then to the individual involved on the other end. And if I do believe in redemption, then I have to leave some room for that in how I resolve cases. I have to leave some room that if I want that person to recognize that they are made in the image and likeness of God, then I need to treat them that way. You know, one of the truths that that I've uh, come to accept in, in this line of work is that no individual ever commits a crime without first forgetting that they have innate value and dignity. And that's usually where I end it in the secular context. Uh, but I don't think anybody will call me to account here. They have innate value and dignity because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Right. And they forget that first. Because then it makes it easy to victimize somebody else. Because if you don't see that truth in you, you won't see it in somebody else. And if you neglect to understand that you're in relationship with others, you are going to fail to appreciate the role you have in a broader community. And every single instance that I have ever been involved in where somebody's committed a crime, that's what it's all about. It's forgetting that reality and not understanding that there is something transcendent that we're all a part of. Uh, and that we're all called to love one another, particularly when it's difficult. 
Bill, you're busy. You just said you have a thousand employees. That's yes. you know that's above average. Most people don't have a thousand, <laughs> so you're busy. Way above average. Yeah, you make time to participate in a Pinnacle Forum and other Pinnacle Forum events. What do you find out? But what do you find about this experience, the Pinnacle Forum experience, that keeps you involved despite the time pressures that you have? Uh, I would say that's exactly why I need to be involved in mm. that. Um, you know, as as followers of Christ, we're strongest when we're in community. Um, Christ didn't uh, do the job on his own. He brought together a group of men. Uh, and women to form a community of believers to help impact the world, and we are not meant to to walk this path alone. We're ultimately accountable as individuals for what we do, but uh, but we have to interact with others. And so I get strength, um, I learn, I get a chance to share my faith too with others, and it it's it's a reinforcing, reaffirming experience, uh, and that's something that you know, we're not going to get in the broader culture. You know, as we seek to influence the culture, we're seeking to influence so that it is uh, more affirming about the types of things that we know are are important for successful societies. We've got to have strong families. Mm-hmm. We've got to have room, particularly for us here in the United States, where we should appreciate it more than any other place around the world when it comes to religious liberty and the freedom to exercise religion. Um, and that's, All religions. That's well, uh, right. Right, right. R- religion with a small r. Right. And uh, and to include, you know, folks who, who say they have no faith. You know, the, the thing about Jesus' message um, was that uh, he, he did not force people to believe. He called them to himself, uh, but he didn't force anybody to believe, and he told Peter to put away the sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we, the environment that we have is one then in which uh, we need believers uh, to network. We do it in our churches. Uh, we should be doing it in our neighborhoods. And for the pinnacle form that I'm a member of, uh, we, we've got folks uh, from various uh, various business uh, enterprises, and it's also you know, good too to find out what people are doing in other areas so that we can encourage in where we're appropriate and where the opportunity is there to also participate and help them along their walk. For our listeners who have maybe just been catching a glimpse of what Pinnacle Forum is really all about, just talk to them for a moment from um, whatever vantage point they may be. They may not have a a political or government job. They may be teachers. They may be in medical, whatever. How do you see that this would be a benefit to them? Oh, sure. Uh, I would say that no matter where you are at with your work life, being part of a Pinnacle Forum gives you the opportunity to learn how you can bring Christ to others within uh, within your circle of influence and what it is that you might be able to do uh, to realize the commission that Jesus gave each of us to be a disciple in, in that line of work. I happen to be within uh, within the realm of, of government. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, that's where that's the space I operate in. But you know if you're a doctor, lawyer, or if you're a construction foreman, uh, or you run a small business, uh, you run uh, a mailbox UPS store, every single one of those areas is an opportunity for you to bring Christ to others mm-hmm. uh, and, and to exercise your role as a disciple. And so being a member of a Pinnacle Forum can do a lot of things. If if you're sitting there right now and thinking, well, gosh, what could I do? Oh, that's a great reason to join a Pinnacle Forum to find out what could you do. Mm. You, we, we learn from other members uh, in addition to... 
uh, everything that I mentioned about that spiritual support and, and growing together and, and, and growing in love as a, as a fellow Christian, there's a lot of practical stuff there, too. I mean, you may be asking uh, yourself the question, how do I grow my business in such a way that I'm not compromising my beliefs mm-hmm. and, and I'm not uh, cutting corners? There's probably a pinnacle form that you could join where somebody's going to wind up sitting across the table from you and will say, well, let me tell you exactly how you can do that. And here's how you can also avoid sacrificing more time with your family to make it a reality. You're trying to raise up people to change culture, and we desperately need people in political office, appointed offices. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Well, and Bill's a great example of that, of how here's an individual who is in office and serving you know, public service, but as a believer and doing this from a perspective as a Christian and, and, and the kinds of, of differences that someone can make. And uh, you'd asked me, I, I don't know, it was a couple episodes ago about where I've seen this happen, you know, in other parts of the country. And I thought about it and it reminded me of a particular instance. And this is going to surprise your listeners when I tell them about this one, because they're just like when I shared this with you earlier, I think they're going to be stunned. Uh, there are... Uh, and actually, this is a documented report. Uh, there have been over 50 instances in trial and appellate courts in America where Sharia law, which is Islamic law, was actually used to adjudicate a case. How does that even happen? This is the con- we're under the Constitution of the United States. The Sharia law has no grounds here in this country. Well, that's a question for another time, obviously. But yeah, it's the same. But I share that with people. This exact same response I always get. First of all, they don't even believe it's possible, and that's why I take them to the report and actually say, "You can't find the report online. It's a documented report." So, I was with an organization prior to Pinnacle Forum where our mission was combating the threat of radical Islam, and we worked with a lot of Christian state legislators and members of Congress, you know, who were dealing with things like not just terrorism, but issues like Sharia law. And we had a particular project called American Laws for American Courts. It was a piece of legislation that we had worked with another organization put together and was introduced in state legislatures in in several states. And in the state of Kansas, and I believe the year was 2012 now, they actually passed it. And the lead sponsor on that was a woman, a Christian, solid Christian, good friend, uh, you know, who in state Senate, and she carried that bill to completion and it was signed into law. Now, Maybe the average person thinks, well, why is this even necessary, right? It, it, it should not be necessary. And it should not be, but here's what happened. Later that year, a, and this was a news report, a judge was asked to adjudicate a divorce proceeding between a Muslim husband and wife. The husband wanted to use Sharia law to adjudicate the divorce. The wife wanted to use civil law. And anybody who knows anything about Sharia law knows why. Because under Sharia law, women have very, very few rights. And the judge stated he could not comply with the husband's request because this particular law prevented him from doing so. How about he couldn't comply with the husband's request because it's the United States of America? What about that excuse? Well, but but let's look what's happening on college campuses with free speech. Why should we even have an issue on college campuses where you have to have free speech zones, you've got to get permission to talk? That should already be covered under the First Amendment. But the problem is, is we have to now literally reiterate these things and put them in statutory law as well as constitutional because they're being ignored so often. You can listen and I work for him as we broadcast from Scottsdale, Arizona, courtesy of Pinnacle Forum. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at iworkforhim.com. 
Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at iworkforhim.com or follow us on social media at iworkforhim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at iWorkForHim and online, iWorkForHim.com.